Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight, this show, we're just going to call Wing It. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And today is November 10th in the year 2023. Tonight was supposed to be the interview with Pastor Brad Cummings, but with the transfer of platforms over to Windows, which, by the way, have worked perfectly, except the file transfer issues right now that I'm struggling with in playing long files. Pastor Brad Cummings' interview is two and a half hours. And that file, in which, as I had done before, was to load up interviews inside of Podbean, has actually caused an enormous amount of problems and caused this entire system to crash now three times. So we're not going to do that tonight. We'll figure it out. And he'll have his interview on next week, along with some other great interviews, including an interview that just rocked today, like off the scale, with Pastor Devonese. And if you don't know Pastor Devonese, you will. That was literally the first interview I've done where literally for 90 minutes, I think she and I walked in the Holy Spirit for the entire time. It was incredible. And absolutely loved that. So we've got some rocking interviews coming up and a lot of good shows. Now, just a couple of things, just so I highlight it. Tomorrow, I'm heading out to Montana. The shows are going to be a little sketchy for the next five days, so be patient because I'm going to be in the mountains out of time, out of place. We're trying to work on some sort of show schedule. I'll get done as many as I can to pre-post. I don't know about lives. Don't panic. All of that will be back when I get back on the 17th. But like I said, I love you. I love you all. But when it comes to elk hunting on horseback, I'm sorry. That one wins. That's just the way it goes. Patriots, right now, the one thing we have to be cautiously aware of or cognizantly aware of is these crazy fools that are running this world and trying to crash this economy. They are trying to force everybody into a CBDC. And that's just the way that they work. They want everybody to be part of them and doing what they do so they can control our lives and we can become the slaves and chattel that they think that we are. So with that... It is literally a moment where we have to start making some hard decisions. And part of that is to protect your 401ks and IRAs. So you, if you're hearing noise in the background here, by the way, we'll come back to that in a minute. So, Patriots, that isn't the deep state knocking at my door. Don't worry. FBI is not in the parking lot, and they are not breaking down and doing break entry points. So don't worry. We're all good. But in that said, we are in a time when you have to take care of yourself and your, and your retirement savings. So... You need to text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898, BARDS to 989898, and you're going to get a free info kit that will then give you the information you need to read and study and learn about the IRAs that are backed by silver and gold. Then call Birch Gold. They're, they're great. They've been with us for well over a year. They've been taking care of Patriots. They're a stellar company, five-star ratings across the board, and they'll guide you through the process. But you want to have precious metals backing everything you have. Because if you don't, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to be caught short when they start yanking this economy to pieces. So what you want to do is, again, text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898, BARDS to 989898, and take that information kit, read it, get informed, and then 
away you go. Go to Birch Gold, give them a call, and get set up. It's absolutely fantastic for what we're doing. Now, Patriots, I realized right at this very moment that we have a technical problem. I'm going to put on some music. I to, <laughs> this new laptop, I didn't plug it in. I'm going to put on some music. I'll be right back. This is going to be the craziest show we've ever done, so bear with me here. Here we go. Well, it doesn't like we're going to get music. Can anybody hear music? There we go. We're back. That's insane. I'm t it's, it's been that type of night. So we're just going to roll with stuff and see what happens. But we've had some music. It's going to be more like a ad lib radio program tonight, I'm telling you. But we are online and we are transmitting live, which is fantastic. And I'm assuming that the voice is strong because everybody seems to say it's good. And I like that. All right. So we are going to have some incredible interviews through the next week and so forth. And like I said, we've got Pastor Brad Cummings as soon as I figure out how to play this file, which is a bit complicated. And then we have Pastor Devonese Ball who came on today, just rocked it. We have just a lot of great things going on. And these are just amazing messages that we need to hear. So I'm just going to sit back tonight and just see what happens because I really didn't have this planned. I had this whole thing planned to spin back, kick back for two and a half hours and have the show play on autopilot. And since that isn't happening... Let's dig into some other stuff. We'll see what happens. All right, so we, we're sitting really in a place, and I, and I think one of the things that really comes out today as we've been going through the day is just how important it is of the worlds that we're trying to shape and the way that we live in our world. And this is way off of, I think when we, we, we tend to be so consumed with the chaos and the things around us that we get entrenched in the little things and we get entrenched in the trivialities and we get entrenched in other people's problems. And so we're going to have to, if we're going to be successful in this time and really walk with God and be where we need to be, we're going to have to learn to start stepping back and not taking on other people's issues and not being consumed by their problems that are trying to be sticking on us. So we look across our world and what this interview tonight was really going to be was to look at, the, at Israel and the Middle East, which you'll hear next week from a biblical lens. And I would say that that's the first and primary issue that we have to be working on in our world is that we have to look at a biblical lens on all things and we have to get better at it. Because within the scriptures and within the word, we have all of the things that we need to be successful. But here's what ends up happening. We end up reading the word and the word becomes rigid. It doesn't become alive. 
And if the word is not alive and if it's not flowing through you like the blood of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, then what is going to happen is we're going to become fixated in the flesh and we're not going to be freed in the spirit. And one of the most powerful things that we are in right now is a transition and awareness of the way in which we live. And the way that is, is that we are literally walking in a place in this world where we have a choice to put our focus first in the spirit and live then paradoxically in the flesh. But this world is an inverted world. And everything it does, it tries to suck us into the physical physicality of the world, the consumption of things, the money, the physical pieces around us. And what's even more incredible is that we get anchored in the problems of the flesh and then cause ourselves ultimately to be degraded and lose the power of the Holy Spirit that can flow through us. Our churches teach so much of the principles, unfortunately, of living in the flesh and being told that you're unworthy, which is probably one of the biggest lies going out there right now. And that idea of being unworthy would not add up anywhere along the timeline of God. We are perfectly worthy. We are everything that he's wanted us to be, in as, even as we are imperfect, because that's part of us growing. So let's go back to the garden. I think this is really a good place to begin, because I'm going to tell you, there's an interesting paradox that's been going on in my life right now. As we've watched these computer problems happen, they've been happening with Apple, the bite of, out of the apple, the metaphor of the fall. And I'm, it's not missed on me that all the Apple systems, as I've begun to speak to the garden and talk about the fall and talk about Eve being ambushed, which we'll get into here in a minute, all of those technical systems, those Apple systems have now failed. Now, the question I've been asking myself is, who's actually behind this? Are we looking at a system that's falling because God is allowing it or because Satan's attacking? And I would argue at this point in time, it's probably God giving me a message to say, get off of Apple. Because if you're going to go to the garden, the last thing you want to be dealing with is the fall. And that's literally what Apple represents in itself metaphorically. So it's an interesting journey that's happened over this last couple of weeks as I've explored this, dug into this, un un unraveled this mystery. And keeping in mind that every single tech platform that we receive, every platform that we use is built by people with satanic intentions or satanic framework in their life. It is evil and in its incarnate in its core. And so it's important as we bring these tech systems into our world that we're literally blaming them, blaming them, praise, praying over them and breaking those curses. And this is where we step into this other dimension. We look at the physical world and we hold on to the physical world and we say the physical world is as it is. And somehow we look at the spiritual world as something other exterior to, uninfluential of the physical world, which is exactly wrong. Because as we live into this physical world, what we should be doing is living it through the spiritual and empowering the physical because we transform the physical. I give you this example so many times, I'm going to repeat it again because it is such, it's such apropos to what we're talking about. My parents, my dad will be 86 in December. My, mom's, my dad will be 87 in December. My mom is 86. They've been married 61 years. Every day they go out and they walk. They have a ritual they go through every single day. They stop at the beginning of the trail. They look at each other. They give each other a hug and a kiss. And my dad says, let's go walk in the sunshine. Now we live in Oregon. This is the rain country of the world. I love the rain, actually. I think my mom thinks I'm slightly defected because I don't, I don't, I am not attracted to the sun as much as I am the rain. But the rain is powerful. 
and it's cleansing. But here's the deal. Every day they walk, they get sunshine. Every day they walk, they get sunshine. That is the power of intention and we walk in this world. With intent, we live. With intent, we walk. And we are literally shaping worlds around us. It's a beautiful thing. But we don't take that seriously enough in the physical world because we tend to believe that the physical is greater than us. Worse than that is we tend to believe that the enemy has greater power than God. And so what we end up doing unintentionally is we give away our power by our free will because we concede to the enemy's terms without even realizing it. It's a profound issue. So as we live in this world, we have to start transferring what we're doing into something of intent and deciding how our words will shape universes and world, words, worlds and people's lives. We have had countless testimonies over the last few years. Well, actually, I'll just say it this way, over the last six months, countless testimonies of healing that's been done by stepping away from word curses that doctors speak, word curses that we speak into our lives, cursing that we do in our lives. And it's all about a structure in our world that has built completely tear us down and keep us inverted because the more that we tear ourselves down in the spirit, we get anchored into the flesh. And if we're anchored in the flesh, we're now having to scramble back to the spirit. It's like climbing a mountain. It seems like an impossible mountain, which really all it requires is for us to accept Christ, humble ourselves before him, confess our sins, and then open ourselves up to increasing vulnerability to let God see us before the throne, and then the blessings begin. But we're, what we're doing in this process is we're returning ourselves to the priority of living in the Spirit. And this becomes very interesting when we start to navigate through how it affects relationships and how it affects our walk in the world. Because ultimately, when we put our priority into God and we walk in this world, all things are provided as we need. But when we're going to anchor ourselves with one foot in the flesh and we're starting to say to ourselves, God, we need you to provide this, that may be not be his intent or what our actual need is. Our world has been waging a war for years to invert us, to subdue us, to weaken us, to make us believe that we are locked in the flesh. And that war has been happening on every level. And in particular, in the places that we should not have it. And that's in the places of worship. But that's where we are. So we have to invert this. And we have to turn this. And we have to take a place where we start to take a predominant position to realize that we are truly what the Bible says. We are children of the Most High. And we have to start walking that anointment and walking in that place. Right now, there is a tremendous amount of chaos in the world, and the chaos is like waves. Once you start to push chaos and it starts to hit people and they're not prepared, their armor's not strong, they start to be hit and it penetrates and it takes foot and it takes hold. And then the chaos begins within our hearts. We begin to doubt. We begin to ask questions. We begin to pursue things that are of, not of God. And as, this is the whole intent of chaos and war. The threats of war will be at the times they will seem like we are going to war all the time, and that's where we are right now. But it's an illusion. And so this is something that we have to start coming to grips with, is that when we're hearing and we're seeing it a lot, people ready to run to the hills and run into the bunkers and ready to go to war and pick up arms and pick up swords and ready to die for a cause, I hate to break the news, but that war is not coming. It's all an illusion to create insidious levels of fear. And as the fear continues to grow in people's hearts, 
they weaken their relationship with God, which makes them vulnerable and accessible by the demonic. We are in an amazing time right now. We are literally shaping the worlds around us. We're able to speak truth into things, speak life into things, transform things in a way that we have never before imagined. And God is pouring out unlimited grace and unlimited glory and unlimited anointings. But we have to be in a place right now where we literally can sit and be there with him and sit still and know that he is God. And that's one of the hardest places to walk. Now, when we walk this place, this is truly the warrior's heart. And one of the things that's very interesting about the great American religious enterprise is that noisy minds are the standard collective of the way everybody is. In spite of the fact it says, sit still be and know that I am God, it's very few people that can sit still and hear him, seek him, and be calm with him. But that's where the greatest power comes and the greatest anointings and the greatest understanding comes because it's there that the, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit pours upon us. The understanding of our world becomes greater in that. And we're able to walk into places and understand things even if we don't have the experience because the Holy Spirit provides us all that we need to know. But it truly is a time when we have to find that center point. We have to breathe. And breath is God. And as we breathe in God, as we breathe that deep within us, we truly find that center point. We start to hear him, feel him. We start to be cleansed with all the chaos leaves our mind. And we start to settle and be truly who we are intended to be, the children of the Most High. We say that so casually sometimes. It is a statement we say over and over. But do we take time to realize what we're saying? The children of the Most High are never going to be in threat of an enemy, as long as we understand our origins and who we are. But this enemy works in constant levels of chaos and stirring turmoil to get us into our heads to where we start to believe that we're something other than who we are. And then we get demoralized. And then we start to get depression. And then we start to define ourselves to the very principles of depression and demoralization. And we walk lesser than we we're intended to be. And that's when the enemy just dogpiles everybody. And so as a collective whole, as a society, we go from things like being greatness and where we should be stewards of the earth. And instead of that, we start scrambling to buy mounds of toilet paper because of some fear of shortage. And that's not an exaggeration. But when we look at those levels of fall, it's insidious how, fall, how far we have fallen at times. Because we're walking in one level at the level of kingdom. At the next level, we're filling grocery carts with toilet paper in Costco. All of this is being caused by the simple fact that people are not anchoring themselves truly in the power of, of God. And yet he's here for all of us. He's within us. The church is within us. And when we start to do this, we step away from the relationships that we typically know. We step away from the dependency on the physical. We step into the glory of the spiritual and we start to love and feel something greater. This is a question to consider. Can you love somebody endlessly and without limit and not have an expectation of return? Because that's the way Christ wants us to love. That's truly agape love. And when we can pour in that level of love without an expectation, without an expectation of a relationship, a marriage, without an expectation of something in return, an acknowledgement, a gift, just to pour love in. But here's the catch on that. Because most people can't accept that level of love without having, having an idea that there's some cost that comes to them. Because it's, it's the way we're conditioned, and it's the way, unfortunately, the scarring goes about our society. Because when people want to be loved that way, it's always a cost somewhere along the way that somebody wants something else. 
They want to date. They want to get in bed. They want to do something. And there's always this physical aspect. But when we're called to love, we're supposed to love openly with our heart. As we pour that in endlessly with people and they're willing to receive it, we can fill somebody's heart and we can overcome all things. We've talked about deliverance here and deliverance is a powerful thing. And we can do that fight with deliverance. We can dig in. We can take on demons. I have. We can cast out demons. I have. We can face the enemy and and shred him if we want because we have the authorities to do that. But here's what's interesting. I don't know that all of that is even necessary if we can truly pour in the power of love as Christ poured into us. Because once you set a heart fertile in the soil of love, there is no enemy that can take hold. It has no place to be. And love will heal all wounds. Love is like a salve that flows over those wounds deep within, and it allows us to release. It allows those wounds to come out, and they come out in various ways. They might come out in tears. They might come out in just a transformation. But I will tell you, the physical change in people, when they start to release those deep wounds, is noticeable and measurable. Eyes change. Brightness comes back to their face. Wrinkles fall off their face. These are transformational things, and it tells us always how anchored we are by the pains that we carry in our heart in the spiritual or how free we are when we let them go. Right now, our enemy is waging a massive war because the true sense of the awakening in this world is not knowledge. Knowledge may be the gateway, but it's the spiritual awakening in our heart to realize who we are. And as we step into these greater anointings to understand why we are here and what our purpose is here, we start to understand that this enemy actually has no authority, that they've been working on false contracts, that they've been working on lies and tricks. And that the reason they've gained power is that we have given it to them. And so deliverance, as we've talked about in so many ways, is about breaking those contracts, revoking those authorities, bringing the power back to us and reclaiming this earth, this kingdom in God's name. The challenge we have is people don't see it. Because when we look out here, because of the, the convolution and the, and the corruption in our thoughts, we don't see across the veil. We see a physical world, and it is as solid to us as anything, and it becomes our own prison. But this is a transient world. If we could see across the veil, we would see the world in the spirit first. And the spirit world is incredible. It's also wild, and it's probably fearful for some, but not if you're walking with Christ. But those things were the stories of old. That was normal. Today, it's bizarre. What was normal in the ancients is now bizarre today. Matter of fact, you're seen as a strange person or you're seen as anti-biblical even because you're speaking of the very things that the Bible has taught and yet you're doing so and you're living it and people are like, whoa, 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 hold on there, buddy. What you're speaking of are things that we don't do when we sit in a pulpit. We don't do when we put money in an offering plate. We don't do those things in this church where we're told the doctrinal way of the way things should be, and we will be obedient to this. And in so doing, we will crush and kill the Holy Spirit. I've walked those lines of war, real war. I've walked those places of war. And I've walked an interesting path in my life where most of the walk that I did in war was in a place where it was myself and an interpreter, then we would be attached to other people. And you've had to make some very difficult decisions when you walk that line. 
you're working with somebody from another country and you're entrusting your life with them because that trust becomes a bridge of faith. And that trust that you give them is profound because they're translating into, from their language into what you are understanding. A simple misstep, a simple word that they mistranslate could end up in truly a bad situation. And vice versa, if he doesn't translate the word from the other side to me correctly, it could be a very bad situation. And then you have this whole thing when you're in Afghanistan or any of these foreign countries that behind the scenes, there's agents at play to try to get to his family, to try to compromise him so that ultimately he will be used as an agent to kill me. These are very real things in this world and in the world of war and the world of war that I walked. And so your life, as you leave every day, you go outside, what we call outside the wire, and one person's driving and one person's sitting in the passenger seat. And every single day, you go through this process of saying, someone may not come home today, and my interpreter may flip on me and turn on me, and I may have to make a choice of a person who I've trusted to save my life to take his to survive. When we get into war, everything changes with the blood. And this is a world where there is no games to play. We don't get a chance to have little tantrums and throw away friends because things didn't go quite right. We don't have an opportunity in this world to make many mistakes because mistakes kill. In fact, when I worked with this Joint Special Operations Group under General Scott Miller, it was a pretty set rule. You just don't make mistakes. And if you do, you better own up to it fast and you better fix it because too many of those and you're out. And that was a team of 45 people out of about 30,000 Americans in country, all hand selected. So the performance standards of where we were in war were high. And so when I look across the battlefield that we are right now and I see where we stand with Christ and I see this field manual, which we call the Bible, which is profound. And I read through it, I read the word, and I see the tools of war that sit before me. And I say, Lord, why aren't we executing these at the level of precision that we did in Afghanistan? And unfortunately, we've become accustomed and comfortable in this idea that all sins are forgiven, which is true, but it makes us lax. And it makes our drops our guard down. And we don't lean in hard to the precision of warfare that we need to do to overcome and to win, to be victorious. Our enemy is precision. Our enemy studies the spiritual attacks. Our enemy uses the weapons of its warfare and its, and its ammo to go after us at every turn. And our enemy mocks us because so many know, out, so many out here who claim to be Christian don't value who we really are. Our enemy looks at us and says, literally, you always should win, but we know you won't because you don't believe in the power of your God. And yet, we know that our God will fight and win because you will not abide by your God and trust in him. That's ultimately the bottom line, and that's a very sick statement of where we are in this society. And so as a remnant, when we speak of this and speak into this, we have to start to calibrate ourselves to where our enemy is. Our enemy is on the move. And we get comfortable with these ideas, especially when we get to end time theory, end times theory, which is just it's such a, a shackle 
on the way we operate, that we tend to believe that somehow everything will work out okay because someone will fix it for us. Jesus will come and fix it for us. Jesus will take us away. We will be swept away and we don't have to deal with this. That is not what our mission is here. Jesus gave us victory on the cross. Our mission has always been to be victory into the world, to occupy, to expand, and to subdue the enemy. That means we are dropped behind enemy lines. That means we have a vicious enemy that is always trying to gut us and waylay us, cripple us, and and hamstring us in a fight. And because we don't believe the enemy exists half the time, because we look at this and we say, oh, it's demonic, and we kind of scoff that off, we say, ah, it's not all that bad. We're not understanding how effective the enemy is on us. So take Halloween, for example. This year, we took a position and we said three events happened in three different locations of the country. Ohio, Yuba City, God Tidings Church, and Hillsborough, Oregon, on the west side of Portland. And we declared this night to be a night of freedom and a night of life, which is completely contrary to what Halloween is. So many people still continue to walk in that place of Halloween to start to talk about it as if they could somehow tread and dance with the devil. But what's the back end of Halloween? What is it really? It's a sacrificial night. It's a night of death. It's a night where children are literally raped and children are literally sacrificed to gain power and glory in that night, that dark night. And then it goes into the witching hour, which begins approximately 2 a.m. and it goes to about 4 a.m., where once they do these rituals, they conjure up the spirits to go into the world and to literally wreak havoc. And the problem we have with this is that people literally don't want to believe it because they can't see it. But then suddenly you start to see the effects of it and they say, what's happening, God? My finances collapsed. My house burned down. My, everything's going wrong in my marriage. My family's falling apart. My children have become transgender. What's happened, Lord? There's really no mystery here. Because the enemy's moving at every chance he gets to corrupt us and use the access to the armors that we should have that have become weakened or worse yet, broken and accessed, and they take hold of us within our heart. And because we don't have a framework of how to deal with that, we go around this as a physical thing, and then what do we do, which is even worse? We begin to look towards the world of the physical to provide the solutions. Ezekiel 34 talks of judging the shepherds, and the spiritual shepherds are judged on not being not healing the sick, not healing the broken, and not dealing with the lost. Those are your first three in that. And these, these spiritual shepherds, are giving us an indication of what the church should be doing. The church should be the provider of healing, number one. It was no, never a hard time to get people to go to pharmakia and into the witchcraft world of Saint, Satanism. All they had to do was to get the churches to stop providing the miracle healing that God provided, and that was easy too. Turn, turn the church into a financial institution, create it so that it becomes more about paying the bills than it is about speaking the truth in the Holy Spirit, and suddenly the Holy Spirit steps out and you end up with words and doctrine and a dead stone wall. And all you have to do now is throw up a sign and says, we will heal you over here because your church will not, and you don't have to say anything more, and people will go there, and they will take the drugs, and they will do the things that a pharmacia does so well, and the witchcraftery that takes over, and God's church fails. And that is the trial of where we are right now. It is on us to rebuild the church. And the church is a powerful and necessary institution of our time. 
But the church is within us, and we have to stand mightily against this evil that is constantly trying to maneuver and crush us. And as that happens, and as we stand and as we lean in, we begin to regain our power. And it's glorious. And it's centered on some very principal issues. Breathe life, speak life, and speak love. Now, this isn't love of the corporal type. This isn't love that they like to completely dissect and destroy and corrupt with the images of LGBTQ love, which is always centered on the sexual de- demonstration and proclamation because they can't exist without it. The LGBTQ love is, all of the principle is, I must be identified through my sexuality for that is how I am and I am as I am. This is purely satanic because it is the tricks, trickeries of spellcasting, which is as spoken into the world I shall be because I begin to believe what I say that I am and therefore that is all the more I shall ever be. We are limiting ourselves and they are simply putting a casing around themselves and entrapping themselves in a spiritual prison that can only be broken by themselves denouncing the words in which they speak. Because the words that we speak have the power of life and death and they have more because they create the worlds in which we live. And that mightiness of the word then begins to build a world around us. If we are speaking life into our world, we are overcomers. If we are speaking death into our world, we are contributing to Satan's hand. Hospitals are a great example because doctors are conditioned to tell you what is wrong. They will tell you how long you have to to live. They will give you the indication of what your health status is. This has nothing to do with God. This has everything to do with a diagnosis that's framed on some bunk science that doesn't recognize the power of the spirit. It only recognizes that of the flesh and anchors itself so purely in the flesh that it then walks us into the doorways of death itself. And so when they speak these words upon you, they are literally curses that will lead you to death. The world in which we should be living is a world in which we don't speak anything but life. We speak life, we live life, we breathe life. And as we breathe life in, it's the breath of God. And if you've heard of people dry fasting, for example, who literally live off of nothing more than air, it's not air. They're breathing in the power of the Holy Spirit and they're known to go for 30, 40, 50 days just doing that. And there's no problem to their body because they've stepped away from the confines and the restrictions that are put into our mind to say that you can't. Because the whole world we are built around is the negative. It is the opposite. It is everything not God. And so we're left with some options to move forward to be victorious. But those options require us to step into something more bold, more dramatic, more amazing than we've ever imagined. But we have to let go of that anchor and that baggage of what we've been conditioned to believe and start believing in something greater than us. We have to do greater than ourselves because we're leaning into God. We're reaching into the heavens. We're literally reaching into him and saying, Lord, I want to be one with you. And to do that, we have to live in the yes. And it's the yes in all things. The profound place in which we walk when we walk in the yes is when God puts something in our heart we don't hesitate, but we do. And it may not seem like anything to us or even a bit bizarre, but the effects are profound. Pastor Paul Cantrell was told by God to go outside of a church, a church that was using name lists and putting out emails in someone else's name to raise money illegally. 
And instead of having to to tear down that church, Pastor Paul Cantrell was asked to go in front of that church and put a box on his head and pray for six hours. Six hours with the words, do not box me in. At the end of the six hours, a snowstorm nailed Portland. Big, I mean big. He finished, he walked in on a sunny day, he left with snow six to eight inches deep, and it still grew. It grew over to almost 18 inches on that day. God will move mountains as we obey, and we can move mountains with him as we abide in him. But what we have to be aware of is that we are working through him, not through other people. And this is where the warfare gets very insidious because even within the ranks of those that believe, the weakness that we have, the people that are not paying attention to how the enemy is going to come about, they're not paying attention to the holes in the armor, the baggage that they have. And the enemy uses that. And the enemy then uses it and is using it aggressively now to turn brother against brother, sister against sister, family member against family member. And all doing it because the anchoring on the rock of faith has been weakened. There's been a greater draw. Rather than living through God and believing in him that he shall provide all things, there's now the shift to say, well, I must pursue money first. That's not in the Bible, by the way. That might be in the text of the Talmud and the Babylon, but it's not in the Bible. And so as we shift our priorities away from him, our ability to connect with him falls. We can take this as a negative, and it does. It comes out in this sort of terms. We say we're being punished. You're not being punished. You're not walking with God. And so the challenge that we have is how to lean into him more and mightily, to lean into such an amazing degree that we let go of our concerns and our ways of this world to say, Father, here I am. Take me, send me, yes. And we, he will lead us. Because there's an anointing for each and every one of us to pursue. And we like to consume these things with the idea of physicality in the world, but heaven has nothing to do with the physicality here. It all has to do with the world of the spirit and the realms in which we walk. And as those doorways open up, open up and we're able to walk in the profound ways in the spirit, we begin to affect things massively in the physical. This is how the enemy's taken power of our world. They work within the sacrificial realms and the blood and the sex magic to seize control over key strongholds in heaven and in the spirit realm. Not so much heaven, but in the spirit realm. And we go about things in the physical world as subjects of the spiritual anchorings and, and puppeteering that's going on. And we complain to God about how we are being, how we're losing this battle, how the, the weight of the world is too much. God, where are you? And I swear God has to be shaking his head and saying, where am I? I gave you all the authorities to win. All you have to do is proclaim them and walk into your authorities and you shall be victorious. And what are those? It begins first and foremost with the principles of speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ. To truly be in the world and speak that word and speak the power of that word and take it into your heart and live it and let it just melt into you. Let it be one with you to where the word be to find you. We have the power to heal the sick. It's not a question of whether we can. We do. We declare it because we've been told that we can declare these things in the name of Jesus. We can heal the sick and the broken. And quite frankly, I don't think there's anything more powerful in the world than doing the miracles of healing because I can take a doubter and I can turn them into a believer simply by showing them the miracles of healing. And that's us walking with God and letting God do the miracles before us and through us. 
I'm not conjuring things up. I'm not doing any sort of magic spells with my hands. I'm simply praying and saying, God, I declare healing. And if my heart is pure and true to him, healing will be given because that's one of our authorities. But we aren't here to grovel about it. We're not here to petition God and say, God, if you want to get around to it, maybe you can. And we definitely aren't about spell casting where we're going to be like, well, this person's sick. I just hope they get along okay. No. The boldness of us stepping into our authorities is to proclaim what it is said to proclaim. If I say someone's going to be healed, I'm going to take it all the way. Father, this person's going to be healed and healed completely from head to toe and toe to head. And that's literally where we are at this point in time. We have to live in a world where we truly, truly understand the authorities in which we live under. And that is what God's giving us. What's the third one? The third one now. The third authority we have is to cast out demons. That's not even a debate. Jesus did it. And those casting out demons, that's part of our warfare. We're getting into the trenches. We're casting out those things which are shaping our lives and transforming us into something we're not. Those things that grab hold of your thoughts and spin you a different way that allow you to do things you don't even understand. Those things that get between our family, that get between us, that divide us and cause us to fight when we shouldn't. Those things that lead us. So much of that is demonic influence that comes about us. Sometimes it gets within us. Sometimes it attaches to us. Sometimes it's just around us. And it will never affect you as long as you're walking purely within the belief of Jesus and have your armor strong and you're breathing up and breathing in him. This is an amazing time in which we live. And so what's the, what's the next anointing we have? To raise the dead. And people don't like this when they're like, whoa, 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 what to raise the dead. But Jesus told us quite clearly that we have the authorities to raise the dead. And that's about praying into things. And that's not just the physical dead, it's the spiritual dead, to raise them up and to awaken them and to bring them into a greater place to where we're now walking together in the body of Christ. We are in a war against a demonic realm that is waging war in the spiritual and principalities above us, and we are in the physical and anchoring ourselves. And unless we take that war high and start using the authorities that we're given and to start using the tools of heaven to crush fortresses, break fortresses, not just strongholds, the enemy's going to have the upper hand. And I refuse to have that because there's no way some two-bit punk demon is going to have an ability and authority over me. We truly have to come to an understanding of who we are. And as we step into our authorities of who we are, then we have that next level. And what is that next level? Greater works. I don't even know what that is. But I know Jesus said we can do it. Peter walked on water. And we look at this and we go, Peter walked on water. I don't know what that means. Peter walked on water. Peter walked on water. He kept his eyes on Jesus and he walked on water. These all things are possible through heaven. There is no limitation. We can go into time itself. We can go into the past of people's histories. We can go into where wounds are made. You can do it yourself and walk that timeline. You can take Christ with you. You can heal the wounds of the past and redo those stories to make them glorious in your present and transform your life around you. This isn't craziness. This is the authorities in which we are given to walk in the spirit and to do greater things than we've ever imagined. That's getting into the greater works. And if we take these authorities and we wage war against the demonic by spreading this love and this healing across this world, you will see a transformation in this world unlike anything you've ever imagined. And that means that each and every one of us has the authority and is a soldier in this fight. A soldier. A, 
and, it, and really quite amazing. You're a special operations soldier because you have such great authorities to go in and literally take the most broken and raise them up to be the greatest in kingdom simply because you can pray with them, you can heal them, you can reach into them, you can walk with them, you can undo that spiritual binding and that ties and the brokenness within them and heal them and turn them and say, Jesus, walk with me, and with that, proclaim them to be truly a perfection of heaven as they were intended to be. We are the children of the Most High, the sons and daughters, the priests and the princes. And this has to settle in with us because the minute that we make that pivot and we start to realize who we are and the greatness of who we are, everything around us changes. We're the stewards. The enemy has no hand above us. The enemy has nothing to control us. The enemy doesn't have anything on us. What the enemy has is fear of us. And there you have the reason that the enemy works so hard to crush us. Because the fear within the enemy's heart is that we will realize who we are and proclaim that true authority of this earth and what we are intended to be. And in so doing, step up in a mighty way and they will have no place to be. They will be cast out. They will be put at the feet of Jesus and we will see them cast into the lake of fire. But we have to believe, we have to walk, we have to be pure, we have to be honest, we have to open our heart up to God, not hold anything back. We have to put ourselves humbly before the throne. We have to literally open up and say, God, look at my heart, look at how bold I am, and let him tell us what he needs us to do. We have to testify our sins before others because it's there the true healing begins. That's John 5, James 5 where we truly testify to our sins before others and where true healing begins. And when we take that honesty and that vulnerability and we do that in this world, we're not just, we're not just soldiers, we're warriors in Christ. And it's the humble heart then that we're left with, that we walk humbly in this world without having to need titles to proclaim who we are. I don't need to have people telling me that they're a prophetic or they're this or they're that. Are you a follower of Jesus? That's what I want to know. And if you are, are you trying to achieve all that he is in this world and be more than him because he said we can do greater works than he? Are you willing to pursue that? Are you willing to take that walk and take that risk and step into a greater place and understand that the anointings that come with that are so profound and so great that everything you thought was sacred in this world will melt away because it will be so much higher, so much greater than anything you've ever done? Are you willing to step into the strongholds of heaven, strongholds of the spiritual realm, wage war? And are you willing to see that war be victorious over the enemy and watch the enemy fall? This is who we are. I don't need to be driving around in an up-armored vehicle. I don't need to be walking around with body armor. I don't need to be carrying a gun. I don't need to be even carrying a knife. Because if I'm operating at the level we're operating in, I'm already armed. I have the armor of God. I am wielding the sword of the spirit. I have the tools that I need because I can speak life and I can speak love. And when we understand the true power of love in this world, we watch all fortresses fall. All the enemy's defenses collapse. The enemy himself scatters. It becomes the moment of Gideon where 300 scatter an entire legion 
and they turn on themselves because the demons get turned and stirred because they no longer have the unity because the Gideon's army, the heart and the purity of who they are, blowing those horns, scattered them with fear because they understood that they were the anointed of God and they were standing there boldly with God himself and there was nothing they could do. Our hour is upon us and it is a bold time for us to lean in to be great in the war, in the word to be great in our anointings, to be great in what we're called to do, to be great in all things in God. And there's nothing higher to pursue. There's nothing more glorious than to seek. It's an amazing time in which we have to live. The trivialities of the relationships that we struggle with, the, the infighting, the bickering, the little things that bite us, put those aside. Walk side by side. Don't step on each other. Walk side by side as mighty warriors in the body of Christ. Along the way, God will provide what you need. Don't focus on if you're going to be alone because you're not. You're not alone and you're within the body. Focus on what God wants you to do. If your heart is seeking that love of another, seek that love of Christ to fill you first. And in so doing, be healed. And walk clearly with clear eyes and solid footing across this land, knowing truly who you are. Don't live a duplicitous life. If you have things that need to be dealt with, be honest, bring it to the throne, repent, and confess it to others so it can be healed and fix it. And with it, feel the strength and the mightiness in the Lord that raises up. Don't allow the, the crimes to exist that you witness. Speak out against them and always speak life and always speak love. Be conscious of what we say. Don't spellcast. Be conscious of the words we use. Be intentful with how we walk. Be aware that when we speak into somebody, we're speaking life or we're speaking death because that's ultimately this war. It falls down to two things. It is the spirit of life or the spirit of death. And every time we open our mouth and every time we speak something, we are either speaking life into somebody or we are speaking death into somebody. And when you speak life into somebody, you see the most amazing things happen. You see people that you might have doubted rise up to be mighty. And when you speak death, you will see people fall to your lowest expectations and live to the bottom of the pit that you thought they would be, and you've confirmed their doom. God didn't ask us to do that. God asked us to speak life into others. So let us speak life. And in so doing, we free the hearts. And as hearts are freed and they raise up in kingdom, this becomes an army that no one can stop. So when you're looking at the landscape of the world and you look at the wars in Israel and you look at all these things happening in our country and the infiltration across the border, the collapse of the economy, the, main, the things that just keep going over and over, breathe. Step back. Breathe. Breathe in, God. Breathe in, Holy Spirit. Breathe out, that of the flesh that you were. Identify yourself truly with one with him. And remember, God is of all things. When you start to doubt where we are, start to doubt if we're going to win, breathe in God. For God is breath. And feel him. And know that where we are is exactly where he needs us to be. You see, God does not speak noisily. He speaks in level tones. He has passion and compassion for each and every one of us. And he's not as anxious about things as we are because time doesn't exist to God the way we think of time. 
And when he looks across the landscape and we're worrying about one little thing here, one little thing there, he's just simply relaxing and saying, I know where you are and I'm going to meet you where you are and I know where you will be. So let's learn from God. Let's relax a bit. Let's breathe God. Let's be bold in the fight against the enemy and not hesitate to crush the enemy when it steps in our way. Let's free the people with healing. Let's free the people with hope and the love of Jesus. And let's breathe life into this world. Let's breathe hope into this world. And let's turn the darkness into the light and take it back and never let the enemy have any control once again. And that's all we have to do is to walk in that anointing, to know that Jesus gave us those authorities. And in so doing, this world becomes ours once again. And we win. And that is victory. Patriots, let's pray. Father God, we come to you humble today, blessed by this moment and a time when now we can truly see clearly before us. We're beginning to understand who we are. We're beginning to understand the greatness of what we were meant to be, the children of the Most High. So Father, tonight we pray into that anointing, that blessing, that ability for us to embrace who we are, to literally settle into our hearts, to step into those places where we say, yes, Lord, I am here. Send me. Yes, Lord. And to live in the yes. Let us live mightily in the yes, fearlessly in the yes. And let us step forward now, not with concerns about where the future is, but rather with the confidence of knowing that we are walking within you and that through you, all things are through and made into perfection. So, Father, tonight my prayer is to simply push out and cast out any of the fear that sets in people's heart, the hesitation, the doubt, the anger, the hatred, the division. And we breathe life over this nation. We breathe life into every person in this world. You say dream big, Father, I'll dream big. I'll speak big tonight. For those that will join us in prayer, I will speak so big that it's bigger than we've ever said. Father, we declare across this world, not just in this nation, we declare across this world the breath of life into the hearts of men and women and children across this globe. We declare deliverance from the burdens of their past to free them from the chains and the bonds that are there and to raise up a world that looks to you, not to the false idols and the fears and the things that are created of the hands of men. And Father, we breathe love a unity of love across the spectrum that will conquer any fear, overcome any darkness, that will come overcome all things, to let the love resonate in the heart to raise them up and to be mighty in the kingdom. And let this be a moment in time where those that are now out here wandering start to hear the voice of you, to hear the voice that calls them home and that their eyes begin to turn and their humbleness falls on their knees and they begin to weep with the joy and the glory of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we are grateful for this time. We're grateful for the ability to step in and to be greater than we've ever imagined, to not put a limit on you or a limit on ourselves, and to think big, to grow big, to dream big, and to speak big into this world. And so, Father, here we are. We are here, humbled before you, our hearts open. We're speaking truth. We're pouring it out. Humble before the throne, we will speak the truths that hold us back and we will speak them to you and then speak them in confession to the others. And as we do, we shall be freed and the remnant will rise and it will lead the others as we should in the power of life and love. Guide us and protect us in the Christ Jesus name. Amen. Patriots, 
It's a beautiful time to be alive. There's nothing greater than these moments and hours in which we live. Cherish them. For God is pouring out great things. Turn to him. Ask him for things that you need. Not things of personal need, but things of great anointings to take this fight into the world. Ask him to give you the guidance, the wisdom, the, all that you need. Speak to him. He's waiting. This is our father. He loves you. And he wants to spend time with you. Don't ever forget that. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time. God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country.
an old evil that has waited thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs>